Hello and welcome to Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, an hour-long discussion of activity in the financial markets around the world featuring columnist John C. Dvorak and money manager Andrew Horowitz. This conversation is casual and unrehearsed. Let's join John and Andrew now. I'm John C. Dvorak. And I'm Andrew Horowitz. And it's the uh, 28th, 28th of March. We're ending up this uh, month uh, today. Yeah, March is, doesn't it seem like March is always kind of a really funky month? Things, yeah, every year it is. Something something breaks, so, something happens. Sell in March and go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, more banks are, are going belly up. The good news is, though, there is a piece of good news here that we did not see any banks announcing that they are in trouble over the weekend. So I think markets are like, oh, gosh, thank goodness, into the end of the quarter, into the end of the month. We don't have to worry about that. You know, that whole Deutsche Bank thing that happened on Thursday was really just a, a glitch in the matrix where their uh, CDS rates and, and the insurance on their bonds went through the roof and everybody was like, uh-oh, they're next. Everybody's like, no, 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 no. You know, Deutsche Bank's different. So that's good. Uh, odds of uh, for a rate cut now are being priced in for this year starting in Jan uh, in starting in July. Rate cuts starting in July now. So they're going to raise rates until July and then start cutting. Is that what I, I'm hearing? Well, yeah. In, in a way, there is uh, a little bit of a stagger step in there, not a direct line, but the rate cuts that are priced into the Fed funds rates futures right now shows that we got a chart, we got a table that talks about that that's going to be on the link uh, at dhmplug.com for episode number 647. And those of you that are live in the chat room will get a sneak peek before anybody else because we're that nice. Chili cook-off. Oh, you won. You won the chili. This was in the uh, yeah. New York Times. You yeah. won the chili cook-off. First place in the chili cook-off. And that secret ingredient really worked out well. Which was? The... 100% pure cocoa from the mountains of Panama, which was Are you, interesting. Yeah, cocoa and beef. Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting about that is if you were to taste that, just it, it, it's, it's after it's, it's still um, a little bit moist to a degree, but it gets, it, it makes like a block. You know, it's not like powdery. It's a block. So I cut off pieces off of that. And I'm like, well, I got to, I got to sweeten this up. I got to make it more chocolatey because cocoa is bitter. So I added some cream honey, which is like a cream part of the, when they make honey, they, you, don't, you don't clarify it. And a little bit of butter melted in a pan. And Well, some honey's naturally uh, cream. Uh, so, so there you go. And, and it was just the right, I, I just didn't have any knowledge of what I was doing before I did it, but I just did it. Oh, so you're ad-libbing it. Yeah, I was ad-libbing that because I didn't know what the hell to do with it. Well, that's what you can do if you know how to cook. Yeah, came out great. So that was good. We had. But uh, there's the, no recipe. There's no recipe. For the cocoa? No, for the, the whole dish. You should publish a I, recipe. I have a recipe. I, I, uh, so let me get this straight. I should publish my first, I was second place last year, first place this year by the judges in a blind tasting and with a professional uh, food critic as one of the judges, and second place for the People's Choice this year also, for others then to emulate and win their own competitions with? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Ah. Uh, because I'm just a nice guy. Well, there's no reason not to. I mean, you you go what are you just milk the same recipe and just cook it over and over and over again and win and win and win when somebody could easily probably beat you just coincidentally? No, publish it. People publish. need to publish. And besides that, anyone who takes the recipe is not going to be entering the Florida competition. True, true. So there, I will I will publish it. I mean, there's some things that you need to tweak. Yeah, because you know, you know, if I say put in cocoa, okay. Right, you know what kind of cocoa? What yeah, what do? kind of cocoa? It could be. It could taste, gosh, awful. Right. So you gotta just understand it. Well, what I would say, my my in my humble opinion, I would publish the recipe, and then where the tweaks exist, I would I would write them out and explain what what why there's a tweak here, mm -hmm. uh, why you have to be careful about this or that, and uh, even the honey's gonna honey doesn't taste the same from one batch of honey to oh, another. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. I got this honey uh, in St. Augustine area at a weekend pop-up farmer's market. I probably can't get the honey again myself. Right. Yeah, that's very common. Yeah. 
So I don't know what you're doing this weekend, but this weekend's a big uh, party at my house, a crawfish boil and barbecue. Everybody's invited. Everybody invited. Come on. Getting 100 pounds of being schlepped over to uh, on Friday afternoon. Arrive at my house on Saturday morning, and we start doing it. We're doing two types of traditional Cajun Bayou, New, New Orleans, Louisiana crawfish. And then okay, so you got a big giant. I don't know where'd you get the, the big giant thing that you have to use. You have to cook outside. Yeah, filled with crawfish, yep. boiled. Yeah, and then you're gonna dump them onto a table Cor of newspapers. Well, I don't use. I use plastic, but yeah, You're correct. That's basically the the, the the I don't I don't the thought of of putting it on a newspaper when I know when I rub it off I get the ink on my fingers and then I put the crawfish down. I put the crawfish in my mouth. I'm not interested in that. A little plastic is fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You you and your shoes at the, the airport, that kind of thing. Oh, I understand. Oh my god, you know, I'd like to stay clean. So we got so that you going. dumped the crawfish out onto the, uh, in, in your case, plastic. Yeah. Uh, which is probably more toxic than the ink used in the newspaper. <laughs> um, but I'll let that slide. And then so there's a big pile of this, and there's corn on the cob. Yep. Uh, so there's a lot of corn all over with the with the crawfish, and then you got hot sauce of some sort. Well, the, the, it's cooked in a hot sauce, and then there's going to be <clears throat> large mushrooms that absorb all the flavor, and we have full garlic cloves where you just shove them in your mouth and eat them. We have andouille sausage, um, oranges, lemons, limes, um, a variety of other vegetables in there as well. And you just stand around the table, eat, suck the— Is there going to be a side, at least a side of crystal or one of these uh, milder— uh... We don't usually Louisiana serve it. It's hot. Sauces? It's pretty hot. It's pretty hot. Our, it's, our, you, oh, so you're making so if somebody wants just mild crawfish, they can't have it. They shouldn't be come to my house. <laughs> the first batch is usually okay. a little bit more mild. <laughs> and then, don't go. Yeah. And then I'm also making batches of Chengdu Xi'an style uh, Chinese crawfish, which is utilizing uh, fermented black beans and. Um, Szechuan black pepper and green peppers and uh, uh, all sorts of um, uh, Chinese wines and, and 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 chicken stocks and all this to boil up this concoction of hot beauty. Is there a lot of Chinese in the neighborhood that you're trying to cater to here? Let me count, let me count how many Chinese people are coming to my party. Ten. None. <laughs> but you're going to cook this Chinese it's, dish anyway. It's so good. It's so good. It's just delicious. Oh, yeah, I'm sure it is. Yep. In Florida, we have the dueling messages on the seaweed blob. Have you heard about the seaweed blob? Yes, there's a big blob of seaweed. Heading your way. Off the coast. Uh, and it's and like, there's It's like five miles long or something, one piece of seaweed. They said the blob is the size of Florida. Oh, the blob is the size of Florida. Okay. Yeah. Which I don't know. And uh, Moore's Law, you know about Moore's Law. By the way, back to the Florida blob, it, it's edible, that seaweed. All it, seaweeds are edible. It's called sargassum weed, and it's actually really good, well, in, in moderation. It's good for the ecology because you have these small fish that breed and bait, uh, bait fish create, are underneath there, which then attract the bigger fish, which then attract the bigger fish. And, of course, it attracts me with my boat because I know they're all there. So usually those blobs have whole bunches of mahi or... Other ki uh, kinds of fish underneath the triple tails. So we go there fishing. We look. For you the, have to worry about getting tangled up in this stuff. No, we throw it underneath. You stay away from. You stay away from the the seaweed. You know, you throw it right on the edges, or or you start throwing bait in the water. Bring them to you, and then you just get them in one of one of those baits. Unfortunately, has a hook in it. So you get them up into a a, a feeding frenzy. Have you seen? Did you see the movie of the shark feeding frenzy? The guys surrounded boat surrounded by shark. Yeah, we've had sharks around our boat. Huh. We were fishing for sailfish, and that's a problem. Got to get rid of them. Last week on the run down to Miami, there was dolphins running with us. You know, porpoises. Ah, that's fun. And Moore's Law, you know Moore's Law, the Cornier, who is the uh, one of the founders of Intel, he died. Coiner, Cornier, Coiner, Coiner. Yes, I know. Gordon oh, no, Moore. no, that's the point. Yeah, that's the point. Coiner, that's, that is a good point. I read, I read that wrong. Sorry. <laughs> Dumb me. Uh, yeah, uh, Gordon Moore, yeah. He died. Very famous guy around the area. The uh, Philanthropic, nice guy. Ran into him a couple of times. Sweetheart. Yeah. He's gone. 
Is Moore's Law still a constant? Is that still a functional? Yeah, yeah, it's still in play. It is. Is it is it as prevalent as it was where it was just like happening like that constantly? Well, you know, it's just a lot of it is, you know, you kind of force it. You can you can force the calculation. Uh, you can make it make it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the markets, uh, a lot of the big bucks are being pulled from banks right now. They have uh, been what's what's actually happened. I'm going to give this to you in a nutshell. If you want to hear more about the details, the goriness of it. We're going to talk about on this week's Discipline Investor podcast. You've talked a little bit about it on No Agenda. I think there was some discussion about the banking. Yeah, a little banking bit. Issues. We talked about more action in our last show. Yeah. Here. So if you think about one of the reasons that this has happened, and, and, and Silicon Valley Bank was a different situation. I read a story tonight, as a matter of fact, that talked about how if it was open another day, all the deposits would have been pulled. There was a hundred... Uh, what was the number? Like a hundred billion dollars being yanked, forty-two billion one day. The next day, a hundred was on order to be brought out, uh, to be taken out before the FDIC said, "Okay, hold, stop. This isn't happening." So that that's a problem. Yeah, but one of the things that happened with banks for for a long time is the net interest interest margin, which is very important to us investors looking at the profitability of banks. And how they're making the money. And as interest rates moved up, there was the idea that they would be making more money on the fact of the yield curve and all this, you know, lending out at the far end of the curve and giving interest on deposits at the short end of the curve. Okay. That kind of got a little wonky with an inverted yield curve. But the bottom line was that many banks were not paying up what they should have to their depositors. I agree. So depositors, it was like a light bulb went off one day. And said, you know, okay, if it's 1% and the interest rate is somewhere else is 1.5%, two, who cares? But when you go from 1% to like 4%, now you're talking some money. So I think that they've been screwing depositors for years with these low rates. And part of it, because rates were low. But when rates came up, they never really just said, okay, now we're giving you what they you're doing. They did nothing. They did nothing. Yeah. So now what's happening is there was this big revelation that all this money that was on the asset, the, the balance sheets of these banks with all these losses due to the fact they bought long bonds, tried to milk as much as they could out of it, and now all of a sudden sitting on all these losses. Everybody's saying, wait a second, look at that. I don't want my money to be in an uninsured account, which is over $250,000 per person, per bank, or you could you could get up to a little bit more if you have a joint account and- Individual accounts, you can kind of screw around at one bank, but basically, you know, two fifty per per bank account per social security number. They pulled them. Where'd they go? They went to the big, big banks. They said, "Let me diversify." So they put money with the big banks, and when they put money with the big banks, that's good for them. They put money with companies like you know Merrill Lynch and Schwab. They said, "You know what? How about buying some treasuries? We've been buying tons of treasuries more than I think in the last decade." I've been buying, I've been on the treasury buy side like crazy looking for opportunities when they come. You get 4.7, 4.8% on four and five month bonds. Nothing wrong with that, right? No. And in fact, I was noticing with my bank, I wish pays 1% maybe for some special savings accounts or a particular savings account that pays interest. If I just pull it all out and put it in the stock of the same bank, mm-hmm. I'll be making like 7%. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Which is kind of humorous. And I bet you they have preferreds that are even yielding more. That could be. So this was a situation that was brought upon the banks by the banks to a degree. And then we had the other problems about bad oversight, bad management. And I don't I don't think a lot of the banks are in trouble because they have all sorts of levers they can pull. You like that levers, you call them levers, that they can pull. For example, a lot of banks, we talked about this last time, have moved some of their positioning from, okay, here's what it's valued at, but we're going to put it in a different bucket into the, here's what's going to be valued out in the future. So we don't have to worry about that 20% reduction in, in value on that bond. Making it look good. As I always say, putting a healthy dose of, 
chocolate covering on a pile of dog shit. May look good, may even smell good. Don't take a bite. That's kind of what we're doing, covering up a lot of the the stuff that's underlying that's a real problem by moving it around. So uh, recession odds increased with all these problems now. Even Neil Kashkari came in and said, you know, uh, this is going to move up the timeline. It looks like we're going to run into a recession. He was always a, um, a dove. He likes lower rates. He's talking about higher rates and continuing on. We saw a 25 basis point increase um, by the Fed, and, and nobody really blinked even into the headwind of this banking problem. So it's a really fascinating situation right now. Mm. But $100 billion of total deposits were pulled from banks last week or last couple of weeks. $100 billion. $100 billion. You're not, you, can I get a, like a squeak or something? That's a lot of money. L- lot, there you go. Um, yeah. And with the officials... Get a squeak. <laughs> something. What? Yeah, exactly. Give me one of those. Yeah, something. How, how, wait, did you say? No, I need, I need a. Did you say billions? <laughs> I know. Um, so the officials now are using a phrase, you know, this phraseology, this way to mold the public. We talked about, we always talk about this, right? The yeah, green, because green we shoots. spot these things immediately. Yeah, the green shoots. So the, uh, you know, the fact that we have. Uh, uh, transitory inflation, and over and over and over, they use the words, right? The new one, and watch for this. I'm not even kidding. Go read some articles. The banking system is sound and resilient. <laughs> it's resilient. Safe and effective. Yep, exactly. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, the, the, that, 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 that cornstarch powder is safe and effective. Oops. But the banks are sound and resilient. So Tre- Treasury Secretary Yellen... Federal Reserve Chairman Powell and more than a dozen other officials convened at a special closed-door meeting of the Financial Stability Oversight Council just a few days ago on Friday. And they came out with a comment. They came out with an official quotable. They said the council discussed current conditions in the banking sector and noted that while some institutions have come under stress, the U.S. banking system remains sound and resilient. (laughs) So we saw last Thursday that a total of $116 billion of loans from the central bank discount window was taken, the highest level since the financial crisis. They took $53.5 billion from the bank term funding program. That's the one where they could swap their bonds that have lost money for full cash value at maturity today. Now on Uh, Sunday. Nice work if you can get it. Yeah, exactly. How great is that? Can you imagine having, and we talked about this last week, it still just boggles my mind. You go into an investment, you buy a, you know, John, you say you buy a restaurant. You you spent a million dollars on a restaurant. Things sucks. It's not doing well for whatever reason. It's the bad part of town. You know, you can't get employees. That million dollars, like, uh, at best, you could sell it for $750. You call up the restaurant association, you're like, hey, uh, things aren't going so well. Yeah, I'll give you a million for it right now. You keep on running it. Don't worry. Everything's fine. It's nuts. Now, on Sunday, Neil Kashkari, he came out and said, and I quote, the banking system is resilient and it's sound. So you see how he did that? He moved that around. Yeah, he flipped. There's a bunch of people when they get these words they're supposed to use, these phrases they're supposed to use, like safe and effective. I remember Obama in the old days, it was uh, saved or created. Oh, when talked about jobs. oh remember, remember that? Saved, oh, oh, that was a good one. Saved and created or created. They 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 feel resist they resist and they swap them around they go backwards with they, they use the same words but they flip them around because they want to sound independent. Oh, get oh. over it. it. They make it their own. They do it on purpose. Yeah, they make it their own. He said the banking system has a strong capital position, a lot of liquidity, and has the full support of the Federal Reserve and other regulators standing behind it. Now, I'm not saying that all the stresses are behind us, but I expect this process to take some time. So the question I was thinking about. Why are they using the word resilient? What is with resilient, the idea of resilient? Oh, interesting. Mm. And, and again, I, I come back to like when they talked about, this is, this is the exact same discussion as disinflation. So not to get too crazy and technical on this, but I think it's important everybody has an awakening to the bullshit that goes on. And if you know that, by the way, I've talked about this a thousand times, John. If you know it's bullshit and you know it's rigged, 
let's play along and make money on it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you follow what I'm saying? Versus, oh my God, it's rigged. I'm not getting anywhere near that <laughs> right, stuff. It's rigged. I don't know what to do. Yeah. So, resilient. Resilient does not mean it's in good shape. It does not mean that it is strong. See, I, I didn't see the word strong and resilient. We have sound, whatever the hell sound means. It's sound and resilient. So sound sounds like it's a good thing. It's safe and sound. Safe and sound. It, it's quality. Resilient means that it's able to bounce back. It's able to come back. Take a hit. Yeah, it could take a hit and come back. So it's, that means a hit's coming. Right. So it's like that. Did you ever have that clown with the sand in the bottom? That blo The blow-up doll? That Yeah, where you hit it and it bounces right back up. Right. That's resiliency. You hit it. It goes down, but it gets back up. So in other words, I think what they're saying is they, they're not putting the, they're not putting the, the, the seal of approval on any of these banks. What they're doing is saying, hey, don't worry if things happen. Don't worry if it's bad. It'll come back. In the meantime, the word still makes you feel like it's solid. Like the word resilient has the connotation that things are in good shape. Well, Strong. not after listening to you. <laughs> Hopefully nobody's on the edge right now on the ledge, but you know, um, now we have what's going on right now with the money's coming out of the small banks into the big banks, uh, a, a controversy. The dynamic has put big banks like JP Morgan to Goldman Sachs in an awkward position of playing multiple roles simultaneously in the crisis. See, the big banks are advising the smaller ones who participate with them in steps to renew confidence in the system and yet propping up lenders like First Republic while maybe telling other people, hey, maybe we should sell you. Like we saw again for Signature Bank this weekend, another sweetheart deal, sweetheart deal for First Citizens. Uh, well, that was for Silicon Valley. There's a sweet idea for New York City Bank Corp for Signature and the recent one where First Citizen is buying Silicon Valley Bank. Well, and it had all the problems. They're acquiring $72 billion in Silicon Valley Bank's asset at a discount of $16.5 billion. Mm. But even after the deal closes, the FDIC is going to remain on the hook to dispose of the majority of the remaining Silicon Valley Bank Corp assets, about $90 billion, which are being kept in receivership. So those bad assets they can't get rid of are not going to First Citizens. And here's the kicker. The FDIC has agreed to an eight-year loss-sharing deal on commercial loans First Citizen is taking over, as well as a special credit line for contingent liquidity purposes. So basically, First Citizens is getting a massive discount already. They're get, making it like a bandit. Uh, how great is that? Gee. No wonder why the shares were up 50% yesterday. Yeah, well. Surprise. Surprise. It's free money. Yeah, basically, I mean, you basically took these guys out. You couldn't sell it. Yeah, Nobody wanted to buy it. Two weeks later, no. nobody wants to buy it. And they're like, okay, you know what? I know that there's a lot of risk here. We'll back the risk. Do me a favor. Just run the damn bank. You take all the profits from all the things that are going to stay with you. You get all of the, you're going to keep all of the um, of the, the, the retail um, facilities. You get, just run the bank without all the heavy expenses and worry about bad loans and debt. And we'll even extend it out eight years. Which is a heck of a long I time. I think that somebody should, this is not right. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, okay. What, what's wrong with it? Well, it's, it seems like, why would they get to, it's such a sweetheart deal. It looks corrupt to me. So you're thinking that maybe somebody at the FDIC is somewhere forced. Somebody's doing something because first of all, I never heard of first citizen or whatever the hell they're called to begin with. Uh, although, you know, small. there's a lot of banks I never heard of. There's four, you know, there's suddenly 4,200 independent banks in this country. Uh, so, you know, I don't, I haven't heard of half of them. I haven't heard of a tenth of them, to be honest about it. Uh, 
But out of the blue, this one bank gets a sweet deal. Uh, I'm not they've, they've bought up bad banks before this company. So I think that there was something about that. And they feel they could step up with this. Oh, so they so there was like, hey, I've been doing this for a while. When, when am I going to get my, you know, my reward? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe. But you know what the, the you know the deal with the banks, right? What what the whole game is on the small banks? You open up, you, you do this. You, I know people that do this. You open up a bank, a uh, small bank. You help people out with loans. You say, you know, put money with us. Put your four hundred one k with us. Do whatever you're going to do. And then they they expand the bank, they sell it. They have a two-year non-compete, they open another bank, do the same exact thing over and over and over. So you have all these little banks out there, one, two, three branches in a local area. Yeah. And they eventually get sucked up by the bigger banks up the chain, who then are setting themselves up to be bought by bigger chain, bigger banks up the chain even further. Banking's a good business. Yeah, I think we should start a bank. I think so. We could. I bring. I think we could bring assets in. Yeah, we got plenty of listeners, and yeah. we could probably they would help. Yeah. So, um, all right, let's talk about one of the things that you picked up on at the top of the show, which was the idea that the Fed is going to potentially start to loosen up their policy this year somehow. When they've been on an all-out increase interest rates, slow down employment, kill the housing market, which, by the way, today is Tuesday, last Tuesday of the month. We saw consumer confidence come out that was a little bit in line. But Case-Shiller reduction, about an 8% year-over-year decline in housing prices in San Fran. Well, that's, that's the first. 10% increase in Miami. And overall, it slowed down to about three and a half percent every year. San Fran is that San Fran or the San Francisco Bay Area? Um, it's a it's a twenty city major index. So San Francisco, whatever that major index would be, I don't know. I don't know the I don't know the the boundaries. So San Francisco's a mess. Yeah. So that, but overall, we saw about a three and a half percent. I think it was three and a half percent year over year increase. So the slowdown is happening, but we're still seeing increases in housing prices overall. Yeah, well, it's because there's a shortage. That's the mm -hmm. reason. Yeah, there's not. A, there's too many people and not enough houses. Mm -hmm. In 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 some areas, not everywhere. So, all bets are the cut. The, that 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 these cuts are going to start in July, and and. Which is a big problem because the, the Fed now has to balance an inflationary situation with wage increases, with a banking backdrop that's problematic, with a slowdown that is happening all, all over the world, with a liquidity crunch that's going on right now. It's it's a it's it's honestly this is a this is a big mess to handle. Now they they can possibly hopefully get through all this due to the resiliency of the American consumer and all that's going on with the flood of liquidity that's still out there. But, you know, between the boneheaded decisions being made by um, government, one of the things that's happening is they don't, they don't call them food stamps anymore. They call them what EBT. Yeah. That little card. The, those are being cut. The average EBT, I think is down 90, 90 there's, there's a big cut coming and there's going to be like $90 per week cut. To many people. I haven't heard this. Yeah, it's 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 rolling off. Well, it's not. A, I wouldn't call it a cut. I'd call it an expiration of additional payments, which you know how that goes. It was it jacked up, and they're, they're just yeah, pulling it back it to normal. I, yeah, let's see if I can find this. Um, EBT payment reduced or something. Let's see. Um, yeah, the SNAP benefits will end. So when was this written? This was Center for Budget and. March, uh, end of March. The temporary pandemic SNAP benefits will end in remaining 35 states in March 2023. So every household in those states re receive at least $95 a month less. Some households who are under regular SNAP rules receive a low benefit because they have somewhat higher, still modest incomes, will see reductions of $250 a month or more. But the average How much person are they see, getting? I don't know. That's a lot if you're getting that. 
Um, 4.2 million people were getting this. Point is, though, let's see. Dollar, dollar per day. They're talking about days, things. But anyway, it's rolling off in 35, uh, 30, 35 states. Mm. So that's a lot, though. $95 a month for some. Every household in those states will receive at least $95 a month less. $95 a month less is uh, a week's. It could be, well, depending on how many people. But for four people, and if you're not making a lot of money, and you're trying to just utilize this, that that's a couple of three meals. Yeah, it, it adds up. Yeah. Well, that takes a little pressure off the inflationary uh, uh, numbers. Yeah. Or should. Yeah. Well, how great. People aren't eating, so I guess inflation will come down. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. You know, we have an increase in starvation rates in the United States. Good news. <laughs> but good, good news. Inflation inflation's numbers. down. <laughs> uh, but here's what's going to happen. There's um, First of all, right now baked into the market is 150 150 basis point or 1.5% differential from what the market believes where the Fed should be today to where the Fed believes they should be. The market believes they should be lower. That's why we're seeing 3.5% 10-year bonds. Now, take a look at this uh, chart, this table right here. This table shows a probability range, and it's very easy to read. Can you see that table? Yeah. Just yeah. look at the blue. Just look, look at the blue for a second, all those blue lines. Forget everything else. 5.3 is the first blue. It goes from where we are today up a quarter percent to 4.75 to 5%. That's the 57% chance of probability that's going to happen. So right now it's kind of 50-50, but it's there. It's not like a 20%. Um, there's a 42% probability that we're going to go... Uh, no, actually, that's where are we now? Are we at 4.75 now? Uh, I got to look because now I'm a little confused with all these guys. I can't make heads or tails out of this chart. Yeah, I'll tell you in a second. I'm going to explain. It's a, uh, what is the Fed funds rate? Effective Fed funds rate is four, no, 4.83. So it's 4.75 to five. Right now it's 4.75 to five. So let me look back at this again. Okay, so there's a 57% chance that they will not do anything. That's the blue. That's where we are now, 475 to 5. There's a 42% chance that we're going to get a quarter percent increase. The next meeting, 614, same thing, is that we're going to stay 56%. We're standing pat. 39%. Where did these numbers come from? This is the Fed funds rates that are being bet on, if you will, by the markets. Huh. Next. All right. Next, 726. July 26th, see the blue moves to the left? Yeah. Uh, that means that there's going to be a 48% probability of a cut. No change. 100% probability, there's gonna, or 95% probability, there's not going to be a change at all. And there's going to be a 48% probability of a cut. And that keeps on going. You can see how we're getting down to uh, potentially like a 1% cut. By well, let's let's go to the end of this year. Twelve thirty-one to be. Uh, we're gonna get about fifty basis point cut by the end of this year. That's what it looks like. You just have to trust me on this. It is a complicated table. I understand. You have to do addition in your head of all the numbers. That's what you have to do. Okay. So, so I'll just take your word for they're it. They're talking about cuts. Is my point. That's what the market thinks. So. So they they they're talking about cuts starting in or after July. Correct. They think that we're going to be priced into a recession by that point, and we're going to see uh, all that starting to, to roll out. All right, let's keep going. We've got a lot more things to talk about, okay? Credit Suisse, heads rolling. Saudi National Bank Chairman Amar Al-Kahundre resigned his post on Monday, days after his comments exacerbated his share, the share collapse in Credit Suisse when he said that, uh, you know, we're probably not going to be able to put any more money into the bank. So somebody's taking the fall for that. Wow. Yep. In the housing market, real estate group, you know, Zillow is oh, yeah. finally, finally exiting from the home flipping <laughs> I business. I thought they already did. They slowed down. They kept it in the back. They uh, maybe trying oh, to Oh, so out they still thought they could be making money. Oh, geez. Do you know why they're exiting it, though? 
What the excuse is? Because they're losing their ass. Is that one of the possibilities? That could be part of it. They blamed it on that it's algorithmic plus model to buy and sell homes rapidly does not work as planned. Because buying and selling homes rapidly stopped a couple years ago. Well, their algorithm was doing two things. It was identifying houses that were potentially underpriced in areas in that they could buy houses around there and push the price up at the same time. Right. Well, the Zillow will take the, the Zillow estimate or whatever they call it. Yeah, the Z estimate. And so they would look at a house uh, that's sold for $1.5 million and they think it's worth one point eight. And then they see another place that's sold for one point five, and it's they think it's one point five or one point four. So they take the one, the one that's one point eight, and they try to flip it and sell it for one point eight because that's what they, as far as they're concerned, that's what it's worth. Yeah, they they tried to set the market. It's a nice theory, but you know, come on. Yeah, they tried to set the market. They're like, oh look how good this is working. We're buying houses all around. Duh, free money. Hello, what what a bunch of noobs. What a what a bunch of just plebs. What a ugh. plebs. What a, I, what's the right way to say? It? It's just a bunch of just jerk offs. Well, it's just people that, yeah. They, they yeah. don't understand the basic economy, but they had all sorts of money thrown at them. It was such a fun little ride. Hey, it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah, I guess. Oops. And it probably worked if it had to work more than once. Oh, it surely worked. Look at the size of the company. But they're out. Their eye buying is out. Tech enabled, tech enabled home flipping business. Yeah, because yeah, te- technology the tech you know, enabled is the problem. Are you aware that technology can take over everything, every aspect of everything a human being can do? I mean, I'm sure it can make a good chili recipe. I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. For one thing, it can't do the tweaking. That chili recipe won because you the were tweak. cooking it and could tweak. tweak. When I was winning chili competitions. Oh, oh, yes. We had to submit the recipe for professional cooks to to cook it. Oh, that's interesting. And so you couldn't tweak it. Hmm. It had to be solid going in. I did get so you, uh, some people that wanted me disqualified because I used beans. Oh, and, you know, I, this has happened to me. I'm like... <laughs> Uh, it's the Texans that, that, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. The, whoever it was, it was from Texas. And as far as they're concerned in Texas, it has to be nothing but beef. You can't even mix your beefs in some situation. It has to be pure Texas beef and that's it. So, so essentially not to, to diverge from our normal conversation, but to win a, a chili competition with a bunch of Texas people, it has to be Texas beef a ton of ancho chili powder, some tomato, maybe. And then you just cook into this, this goop that is just a uh, scoop. It's goop. <laughs> yeah. it's, goop. Yeah. it's tasty. Yeah, it's like taco meat. By the time it, yeah. Done. Taco Bell goes right to Taco Bell, the leftover stuff. Yeah. This guy, I, know. I, I, I ran into this to the guy that came in second today and he pulled out his phone. I'm not kidding about this either. He says, according to the international chili cook off association, I'm like, what? What? He says, beans are not allowed in chili cook-off recipes. I'm like, first of all, we're not going by those rules. I got the rules. It didn't say anything about that. Second of all, are you kidding? Seriously, are you kidding? The guy's from Texas. And they watch Yellowstone. That's the other problem. Yellowstone did this. There's a whole scene in Yellowstone. You know, the, the what tastes the best should win. Yeah. And you won. So that's yeah. that. Uh, Twitter news, Twitter CEO Elon Musk valued his company at less than half the price that he purchased it at in a stock option offer to his employees last week. He gave stock grants to employees in an email earlier this month that valued the company at roughly $20 billion. How's that? Well, I'd like to know what is he thinking. Why Why would he do that? Why would he give stock grants at it? Half, then he'd just screw himself twice. Right? Uh, it's beyond me what he's up to. I don't understand any of it. I just don't understand any of it. The, 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 the dicking around, the tweetering around. The, 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 uh. Michigan has become the first state in decades to repeal its right-to-work law when government Gretchen Whitmer signed legislation on Friday to rescind it. Right-to-work is uh, laws that allow employees to unionize workspaces to opt out of joining a union and of paying dues. 
So I don't know if that's meaningful or not. Well, it means it's really a, a, a windfall for the unions. Uh, in right-to-work states, you can be uh, in, employed as such-and-such, such and, which has a such-and-such such union, and you don't want to be in the union. You just don't want to. Mm. And they, the right-to-work law allows that. Now, I know on, so, on No Agenda, which is a show that everybody should be listening to, by the way, John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. John is uh, pretty much always in his studio, and Adam seems to be flittering around. <laughs> Not that much, but he did. He was in Jamaica. Just came back from Jamaica, and seemingly of all these years have passed, he had to go back to the same exact hotel that he went to 25 years ago. 30. 30 years ago, because there's no other hotels in Jamaica. So he went to this hotel, had a grand old time. He had a good time. He had great, he had great internet. He had great, it sounded great. He wouldn't have known. And uh, they did a show from there. But on that show, you often talk about the Zephyr. You talk about the trains. You talk about the, the relationship that you believe is to a degree, how many train cars are filled with cargo and what does that mean to the economy? Right? Yeah, I've been watching the car, this this particular uh these tracks for uh, a long time. And I, I remember when they were filling up with boxcars years ago when they had boxcars and it was, I, and it was right during the recession in the eighties. And this, these tracks have been uh, very valuable. in so far as determining uh, the economic situation. And, and what are they telling us now? We're, we're doing well. Everything's good. Everything's good. Okay. And by the way, No Agenda is on Thursday live. The live stream is on Thursdays, three hours, starting at 2 p.m. Eastern time, Thursdays and Sundays, every single week. Hardly ever missing a show. You can also, of course, download it on any fine podcast repository, app, place, wherever you go. You can, you can sign up for it. Now, the reason I bring up this uh, the train, and I want to give you a port update, particularly the port of Los Angeles. The... Uh, Report comes out that 43% less imports were processed at the Port of Los Angeles in February compared to the same time last year. The executive director of the Port of Los Angeles said, we're still in a very strange place with our retail community. Inventories remain very high. New orders coming in out of Asia won't pick up until that older inventory is purchased by the U.S. and the consumer. And also there's been a shift away from West Coast imports which the port is working to address. I don't know exactly what that line means. Read it again. There has been also there has also been a shift away from West Coast imports, which the port is working to address. Where are they shifting away from? Let, let's just go the other side. So there, therefore, there's let's just say there's been a shift to East Coast imports. So or Mexico. It, yeah. So that would be European, I guess. If it's there was a big. There was a big. Uh, they tried to build this big port down in, down in Baja California, someplace where they were going to ship to Mexico and then train it up and some other or truck it or something. I for, I lost track of that whole scheme, but the uh, I don't know if it has anything to do with what it costs to to drop stuff off here or the port fees or the trucking situation. I don't know. Well, they're talking about that. The thing that they, that they didn't talk about was <clears throat> the issue with fees or, or maybe the cost factors, load factors, um, lockdown supply chain. That's not what they talked about. What they talked about is, is the exact opposite, which was the second part, which says that their retail community inventories remain very high. So they're not going to replenish. So we're, we're stocked. Oh, yeah, it could be. So stocking comes from two different possibilities. One is when, for whatever reason, orders came in that weren't expected or I don't know, it could be a hundred different things. The other is that consumers are not buying. So you got that too. Uh, in other news, we have the fastest joint roller. I was thinking about um, Adam in Jamaica. Uh, with nimble fingers and years of practice, uh, this gentleman beat other cannabis enthusiasts to roll a perfect one gram joint in 43 seconds on Saturday, becoming the fastest joint ro roller in Thailand's Phuket. He went 146 bucks, the guy. Wow. Yeah, that's something. 
There you go. Everybody's got something. Really digging for the weird stories. Yeah, well, I got more. Uh, seaweed blob debunked in the past week. Numerous news outlets, as we talked about, said there's a massive seaweed blob destined to take over Florida's east coast. The massive seaweed bloom starts washing ashore in Florida beaches, a New York Post article reported. A seaweed blob twice the width of the U.S. is headed towards Florida, CNN forewarned. But Dr. Yuyuan Zhi uses satellites to study star sargasm, which is the, the name of the, the seaweed. I don't know how else you would study sargasm to see the size of it, if you, unless you did it from above. I mean, you're not using your iPhone well, measuring How can thing. anything be as big as they described as bull crap? It's very large, if that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, but not twice the size of the United States. Right. He says um, the genus of large brown algae that floats around in, in island-like masses, um, but this is there is no seaweed blob. He said there is a seaweed sargasm range, if you will, where it's created and it breaks off and it starts floating. It just keeps on floating. Um, and what's interesting about this, by the way, is that sometimes when you go out early in the morning when the sun isn't up and you can go out looking for these islands of seaweed patches to fish on, you got to wait a little while because the sun heats them and brings them to the surface. Sometimes they sit just below the surface. You can't see them. Mm. So we have to wait every once in a while until it heats up. Little news, uh, little, little fishing trick for you. Uh, but he said that there's, there's just no seaweed blob that they're talking about. There's a, more than it was and nothing more than usual. So he's trying to debunk it or get his name out there or something. Well, why are they making uh what, what was the point of the hoax? I, I, I have no idea. We've, we, we have had bad seaweed blooms where your canals are filled up in some areas. It's gross. Then it starts, it gets, it gets lodged into the canal really badly. Then it dies off. Then it stinks. Yeah, I'll bet it does. So that, that's a problem. Or worse, it gets so bad, you can't run your engines. It just gets caught up in your engines. Gets caught up into yeah. the intake where you have the, 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 the water that comes in to cool down the engine. Clogs it all up. So there's all sorts of problems with that. Uh, Microsoft. Activision, that was dead, right? Uh, not so much. The UK's competition regulator on Friday said that it's narrowed the scope of its investigation to Microsoft's takeover of Activision, saying it no longer believes the deal will lead to a substantially lessening of competition in the console gaming market. How do you like that? Well, they, they put the kibosh on it. They say it's going to lead to anti-competitive practices. And then now it's not. Hey, what happened? Somebody must have looked at the uh, actual competitiveness of Activision. It's it's kind of a old old animal. I think there's some payoffs, and they know oh, the you deal. Think it's just a graft. Well, it could be. I don't know about graft, uh, but bigger than graft. Graft is where you know maybe somebody's getting a bribe, et cetera. I'm talking about you came and say, you know what? How about we'll let this go? Yeah. But could be. But. You know, there's going to be a, a tax on the deal if it goes through. Of uh, Oh, well, there you go. Let's say uh, you're you talking. Know, $750 million. I will take it. Yeah. Walgreens earnings rise despite sharp declines in demand for COVID tests and vaccines. Somehow the company says that revenues on prescriptions are up as now they're open for more hours. Now, there's something I don't understand about this. Are you telling me that Walgreens is open for, let's say, an extra two hours a day, therefore they're selling more prescriptions? The doctors are saying, hey, you know what? Since Walgreens is open, I'm going to give you more prescriptions to fill. Yes, the logic is is elusive. <laughs> I mean, don't people get the same amount of prescriptions no matter what the pharmacy's hours are? I would think so, yes. People think I'm nuts. I just, I read this stuff and I'm like, what are they even talking about? Yeah, I ran into some illogic like that the other day. I forgot what it was, but as soon as you read it, you go, this doesn't make any sense. Speaking and what of, you're reading doesn't make it. It doesn't, doesn't make, make any sense, sense no, at all. No. Speaking about not making sense and you making sense out of it, 
Uh, I digress for a moment, but could you talk about your latest hot off the press Substack article? Oh yeah, that just came out today. Yes, uh, Dvorak.substack.com. Uh, yeah, I uh, just I couldn't take it anymore because I've been talking about this on the on the other show about TikTok and how they're trying to you know claim it's like some Chinese spying device, even though we we've already debunked the fact that all the data goes to some warehouse that's held by uh, Oracle, but that that wasn't even in the column. It's just as the idea that they're trying to slam TikTok and and take it away after years and years and years, years. All I've heard is free and open internet. All oh, these terrible countries, they wanna they don't they wanna shut that, they wanna censor the internet. They wanted the Great Wall of China, the Great Firewall of China, and this and that, and Saudi Arabia won't let the internet in. Oh, and then there's net neutrality. People are are cheating on the internet. Years of this I've been hearing, and now all of a sudden they want to ban some internet product. Give me, I, I just couldn't stand it. Well, but we're different. We're doing it. For, yeah, we're different. We're doing yeah. it for the yeah, benefit of our citizens. Yeah, that's what the other guys say too. Mm -hmm. So it was just a grouse. It was a grouse. It was a well-designed grouse. Yeah. Uh, well written as usual. Well, well written, finely written, finely written. I find that your writing is very resilient, by the way. Yes, resilient and I savor, yeah, savor created. Yeah. Uh, crypto uh, sewer remains open. Major cryptocurrency exchange Binance and executive, including CEO and founder Chengpeng Zhao, have been sued by the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission for regulatory violations. Their compliance program has been ineffective. And the firm, under the direction of Zhao, told employees and customers to go around compliance controls the FTC said it's also accused Binance former chief compliance officer Samuel Lin of aiding and abetting Binance's violations because you weren't allowed to utilize Binance as a U.S. citizen. So you figured out ways to I don't know what the hell you did, but you figured out ways to have an uncle in Italy or something, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Uh, two more quickies. EV losses for Ford Motor Company said Thursday its EV business as electric vehicle business lost. A whopping $2.1 billion last year on an operating basis, a loss that was more than offset by the $10 billion in operating profit between its internal combustion engines and fleet business. 2023 will unfold along similar lines, so I guess they just can't, can't make this happen, with an adjusted loss of maybe $3 billion for its EV unit. Wow. So I guess they're breaking this up in order to make it look better, because if you say, oh, see, here's the deal. If, if, if you came in at um, a, a $10 billion mm. profit, right, <laughs> minus three is $7 billion profit, but a $7 billion um, operating profit, but expectations were for eight. Oh, missed. Okay. However, however, what if you break it out and you show, you know, look, this other side is doing really well. The EV stuff is going to take everybody... Everybody knows this is a whole brand new startup. And look how long it turned took Tesla to make money. We're just in the early stages of this. So. Yeah. And finally, just a quick story. 4G is arriving on the moon later this year. Nokia is preparing to launch a 4G mobile network on the moon later this year. On the moon. Yeah, in the moon. In the hopes of enhance, enhancing, enhancing lunar discoveries and eventually paving the way for human presence on the satellite planet. It's going to be powered by an antenna-equipped base station stored in a Nova Sea lunar lander designed by U.S. space firm, uh, firm Intuitive Machines, as well as accompanied by a solar-powered rover. Here, rover. Rover? Will I be able to uh, uh, bounce a signal off of it from here? Probably not. Hmm. I would think that's what I thought. Yep, probably not. It's only for intra-lunar communications. <laughs> so the good news is when you do plan your vacation, you will have internet and uh, it will probably be a cost item. Of course, you have to sign in and stuff. Uh, but you'll get it uh, nonetheless. There you go. All right, moving along. Mm -hmm. This is a game that we play. It's not a solicitation to buy or sell any security. It's not a recommendation of any kind. Nothing on the show should be considered investment advice or a recommendation. If you choose to invest in any of the stocks mentioned, you should know that it may carry risk. 
along with the risk of a loss of principal. You should also seek out professional financial advice for your particular situation. We assume no risk as these are not to be considered recommendations. Horowitz Company, myself, or John C. Dvorak may invest in any of the securities mentioned, and we'll disclose that on the website under the weekly stock picks section. You can go to dhunplugged.com and see all the names we discuss in the segment, along with the performance information from the date discussed, as well as any additional important disclosures. You got your wish, by the way. What was my wish? Look at the look at the look at the names. Well, I have to open up the old email that had the wrong link. Yes. Let's see what we got here. Hold on a second. There it is. Oh, yeah. Everything is green. Everything is green. Yeah. Well, after we got wiped out on the last show. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Show before. I guess the show before. A lot of stuff came off, but stuff was only down 4%, 5%. And, oh, I'm just reading the recents. Uh, down 6, down 6, down 3, down 6. Not too bad. And meanwhile, we got up 17, up 11, up 19, up 10. All up the shorts are up. One, two, three, four, five shorts are all up. One of them's up 12%, 19%, That tells you something. The Deckers was a long. 19 no, that, the Deckers is long. Right. And you got this, yeah. So you only have three names on here. Uh, th- no, one, two, three, five names out of 50, uh, 12. Yeah, this is a, a cycle. I, I yeah, have you, I have one. You you have one what short going, going on one name going on. I'm going to do something crazy. Oh, I have one too. But okay, what I'm going to do Coinbase as the last man standing, especially because now Binance is under the radar. Yeah, I see you doing that. Hmm. That's an interesting idea. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do a penny stock again. And it's going to be an insiders. Insiders are are uh, it's be are low. buying, even though the stock keeps going down. Oh. Uh, it's a biotech company called, um, uh, the symbols E-R-A-S. And Araska. it's Araska. Araska. Okay, so that's the 29th. That's just insiders. This is a, just a pure play. So it's trading at um, $5. We could use Araska? Right. It should be trading at 274 or so. Oh, you know what? E-R-A-S. Okay. Hang on a second. Mm, what is this one here? Just a second. Oh, this one's out. That's why. Electric core's out. I gotta move this. Bear with me one second. Little color change issue here. That one's done. That's why. Okay. So, Araska is this. I gotta move this, this down. Let's see. 274. 274. You are right. Okay, JCD. Okay, just inside. Oh, the question is how much stop? Uh, you know, it's trading in a very narrow range. I really can't see it falling much, but let's uh, make it 15. Yeah, 15 is normal these days. All right, that's normal. Okay. All right, very good. Very good. I will send you um, further pictures that you can't see on the text messaging again. <laughs> yes, your pictures aren't coming through. It's I, we have a really bad zone. Since you're not on a iPhone, it doesn't go through Wi-Fi, so it has to go through regular messaging, and we have a really poor zone. In my whatever that means, it's like no signal from AT and T at my house. Oh, we'll get a different carrier. Uh, you know, there's lots of them. There are? Some of them are cheap. Yeah. Consumer Cellular is the one I'd go for if I were you. I, I've been with them since I got had my first iPhone. Well, if you get no signal, what good is it being because an, I, old, I do an Wi-Fi, old customer? I, I do Wi-Fi calling, and most people I know, there's like three people I know that have non-iPhones. Well, that's a, you, you're in, a, in the wrong milieu. Yeah, I'm definitely in, a, in the bad zip code. That's what it so, is. So, okay. That's what it is. All right, well, I'll talk to you again next week or earlier. Yes, Tuesday. All right, see ya. All right, bye. bye. You've been listening in on a conversation with John C. Dvorak and Andrew Horowitz. Hope to be with you again soon. Bye-bye. Now, I'm not broke, but badly bent. I'm not down to my last cent, because I got a dollar, but it's my last dollar bill. <laughs> yes, sir. In my pockets, there's a dent. All my dough is nearly spent, but I got a dollar, and it's my last dollar bill. Oh, I'd love just one more 
buck fortune left me by chance. Now here's a hint, I feel like a myth. You can hardly tell by a glance. I don't care, no millionaire can give me the ice and stare, cause I got a dollar, my last dollar bill. <laughs> Horowitz Company, Inc. is registered as an investment advisor with the state of Florida and conducts business in other states where it is properly registered or is excluded from registration requirements. Registration does not imply any level of skill or training.